Welcome to The Lawyerist Podcast, a series of discussions with entrepreneurs and innovators about building a successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. Lawyerist supports attorneys building client-centered and future-oriented small law firms through community, content, and coaching, both online and through The Lawyerist Lab. And now, from the team that brought you the Small Firm Roadmap and your podcast hosts. Hi, I'm Jennifer Wiggum. And I'm Stephanie Everett. And this is episode 383 of the Lawyers Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today, I'm talking with Stanley Tate about how he designed his business to live the life of his dreams. Today's podcast is brought to you by Posh Virtual Receptionists, LawPay, and MyCase. We wouldn't be able to do this show without their support. Stay tuned. We'll tell you more about them later on. Stephanie, we were just talking about taxes and talking about how we thought this might be a boring subject for the intro, but it's actually not a boring subject, I think. I'm very fascinated by numbers and money and how it works, but what do you think our lawyers are thinking about as tax season closes right now? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are probably hearing this. I mean, like, I thought I just got through this. Like, April, <laughs> yeah, April 18th came and went. And, you know, my thought was for some of us, yes, we're probably glad that that part of life is over. But it's often hard for small businesses. I know for me, like when my CPA calls and is like, hey, guess what? You owe money or here's how much you need to be paying in for your next estimated amount. That sometimes can be a very painful conversation if you're not preparing for it. Yeah. And preparing for it. What do you mean by that? How do people prepare for it? Yeah, I think the easiest thing to do, quite frankly, is just open up a separate bank account and every month, you know, 15% is a usually pretty good number that a lot of people recommend. So you could work with your CPA to come up with your exact amount, but you just take like 15% of revenue and just throw it into that tax account and forget about it until your CPA calls you and says, here's how much you need. And then you go to that account and there it is. And it's amazing and thoughtless <laughs> and magical. awesome. I know. Yeah. But I think some of, I know people in our community, they, they might see that 15% as impossible because they have all these other accounts and these other things they have to pay. And then that might seem like the thing that they can put off and figure it out later. But I always wonder, is that stress worth it when you get to tax season and you get your taxes done and you get a big bill and then you have to scramble to figure out how to come with it. So even if you don't do 15%, just something yeah. that you put in there, because you might not be able to do 15% right away the first couple of years in business. But if you put something away, it's going to make it so much easier if you get a bill later. For sure. I mean, some people say they hate paying taxes. You know, my dad kind of always was taught me like, hey, if you're paying taxes, it means you're making money. So yeah, that's a good thing, you know, which is a good way to look about think about your business. Yes, making money. So I'll pay my share. But just get started. Put something away to lessen that burden, to know it's there. Your expenses do a weird thing. Like when you kind of when that money gets out of sight, out of mind, you can adjust other expenses, I think. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that there's this perfectionist attitude that we see running through everything that people in our community do. And it's the idea of I can't do this exact 15% or if I can't put exactly what I want away, I might as well just not do it at all. It's this all or nothing thing. And maybe 
that's a law school thing. Stephanie, you can tell me if that's true or not. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, but uh, just put something away. And no matter how much you have away, it's just going to feel better. Yeah. Unfortunately, like I, I have a friend who's a lawyer that does tax controversy work and he makes most his money representing lawyers who can't pay their taxes. And you see it a lot with contingency fee practices, unfortunately, because they have such big swings and they think, well, I'll have another big hit before tax time comes and I'll use that money to pay for it. And right. it's unfortunate, but you just don't want to set yourself up in those situations. So just get started. And then when April 18th or 15th, whatever, I don't know what, whatever I don't day. know. Why did it change this year? I, I don't I even, have no idea. I don't either. I don't keep up with it, but whatever that magic day comes around, you know, you can be excited and, and joyful and celebrate instead of freaking out. <laughs> Wouldn't that be lovely? Tax day party. Yeah. You know, that's actually a great idea is to take something that is normally onerous and scary and boring and just make a party out of it. Yeah. You could celebrate it and celebrate the fact that your business made a profit and that you therefore have to pay something to the government. Like that would be, that's an amazing thing that you should be celebrating, quite frankly. I love it. I do too. Okay. We're going to, next year we're having a tax day party somehow. I like it. All right. Here's my conversation with Stanley. Hey, I'm Stanley Tate, student loan lawyer, and I'm happy to hop on the lawyers and talk with Stephanie here about all things how I think about my business and tech and student loans. Hey, Stanley, I'm so excited to talk with you today. I mean, I guess to kick us off, maybe tell us a little bit about your practice and you and those kind of things. Yeah. uh, Well, Stanley Tate, uh, I'm a lawyer that I designed my practice to help people solve student loan problems. And I came to that because I was like looking for something that allowed me to work remotely and to do paperwork. I, I realized pretty early on I didn't like going to the cattle call, uh, sitting on a docket for her or anything. So I wanted something that gave me that type of flexibility. But before I even got here, um, from the south side of Chicago, Cubs fan though, which is always weird for people. And then uh, beyond that, a military veteran deployed to Iraq, came into law later on in life. I was 30 by the time I started this journey. Yeah. Uh, so much I want to dig into. I guess let me just take a quick side note because because you actually help people with student loan debt as your practice, I suspect that we may have some people that would be upset if I didn't ask you like, hey, What's going on with student loans in the world right now? And is there anything pressing we should know? Because we're all struggling with our own debt. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things happening right now. um, But the general tenor of the conversation is, um, especially from progressives, is the Biden administration going to do any type of massive widespread blanket cancellation for borrowers? And I don't think that's going to happen. I think what we've seen from this administration is going to be cleaning up existing federal student loan forgiveness programs and trying to make those work and holding off on any type of blanket cancellation. And I I just think that's a long shot because you not only do you have to get Democrats, even the moderate ones, but you also have to get Republicans on board as well. And, oh, he can do it by executive order. I just don't see President Biden using his chips that way. I think it's more likely that we're going to continue to see the fixing of existing programs as we've seen with public service loan forgiveness or just last week fixing income driven repayment plan forgiveness so that they track it better and give people credit towards their 20 to 25 years forgiveness. I see that happening also maybe. Um, There's some talk inside of bankruptcy circles with 
changing the bankruptcy code to make student loans dischargeable after a certain period of time, likely going to be around 10 years. Okay. But for now, we should just keep paying our loans. (laughs) I think think you should keep track of the news as far as federal student loans because the moratorium got kicked out until September. And then for private student loan borrowers, none of this really applies to you. So like, whatever. Yeah, I know. All right. Well, thanks for covering that. But what I really want to talk to you about today is your law firm, your practice, because, and you've already really even mentioned this in your intro of yourself, you have really been very thoughtful in designing a firm that lets you live the life you want. And so tell me more about that. So at the time that I was starting the firm, I was engaged soon to be married to a woman who was, well, she is a medical doctor, was uh, pursuing cardiology fellowship. And I realized like, if we were to ever try to have a family, there's no way both of us can be 80 hour week people. It's just not going to work. So I was like, hey, I need to find something that allows me to be flexible in my schedule so I can be the one doing the errands, things like that, because her job comes with its own mandate. So let me see if I can find something more flexible. And I started off in consumer bankruptcy and that was cool. But then I realized it was it was like a race to the bottom as far as pricing goes. There's really not a way to distinguish yourself inside of that niche. The way you get your money is in volume. It's not because you're the very best bankruptcy lawyer for consumers. The system doesn't reward you for that. There's not a great difference between the cola products, basically. They're, everyone's selling cola. So I had to find something that worked for me. And um, there was a lawyer, Wendell Shirk, I'm forever grateful to him. He was like, hey, we need someone that understands student loans. And I didn't even know it was a thing at the time, right? It was just dead. Right? We're talking like this is 2013, right. 14. He's having this conversation with me. Then I looked into it. And I was like, oh, this is a problem. And it's it's complex enough where it gives me enough interest. But more importantly, I realized pretty quickly it's paperwork. And it's understanding how all of these processes work together. And I didn't have to go to court. I could work from wherever I wanted to. And I could help a broad base of people and not have to be pull myself out of this just general can't distinguish yourself. No, I sub-niche down and now I'm the guy that solves these student loan problems for bankruptcy to solve them. So let me be the one that solves them. Yeah. And I love that approach that you took because so often we get the advice, oh, what do you love doing? What interests you? You know, if you love going to court, you you want to you should have a litigation practice. But you sort of said, well, I want a job that gives me flexibility. And so which practice areas allow me to do that? And that is so smart. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't love law. Like, like <laughs> I, I didn't go to law school because I loved it. I, I went to law school because I was like, shit, how the hell do I make money in a way that's like pretty simple and straightforward? And I was balancing medical school or law school. And I was like, man, I'm not going to medical school. That's like eight years out of my life. I'm just going to go to law school and we'll figure it out. And it's the best decision I made as far as myself, because like having a law degree is basically like a cheat code. Like it's to me, it's better than an MBA because like people look at you and they assume you're smarter than what you actually are. They're like, oh, he's a lawyer. Right. And so it gives you authority to do something. And it also gives you a license to print money, because like if you think about it, what does it take once you have your law degree to start your own law practice? All you really need is a phone and the ability for someone to contact you and do it from there. Oh, you need to print something. You can go to the damn public library and print. So like the the cost of opening a business once you have a law degree were quite low. And I was like, oh, this makes sense to me. Let's do this. Yeah. 
So tell me, what do you think have been the biggest game changers for you and how you've thought about building and growing your practice? The biggest game changer for me has actually been thinking about how I want my life to look like. So starting from the end goal and then working backwards from there. But inside of the practice itself, one of the biggest game changers was giving myself permission to be myself. What I mean by that is a lot of times we we have this persona of what we assume a lawyer is supposed to be and how they're supposed to communicate. And we lose ourselves inside of that persona and we don't give ourselves permission to just be our, our best authentic selves and show up and let people choose from there. So I can tell you, like, once I decided that, look, I'm just going to be the familial, colloquial version of me, and that's going to work for some people, and it's not going to work for some people, and I'm okay with that. That just gave me peace showing up every day because I get to show up as me, and that's okay. Yeah. And I think when and you and I talked about this before, too, you sort of approach life and your business with an idea of a growth mindset versus like a fixed mindset. Yeah. Um, I guess. Tell me more. How do you think about growth mindset? Well, it's sometimes easier to go the other way, right? Like the fixed mindset, people think there's only a limited amount of resources in the world. So I must say yes to whatever comes my way. And what you just said is, look, I can be my true authentic self and there will be enough. There are enough people out there that love Stanley Tate just as he is and are going to say yes to working with you. And you're going to be great. Yeah, no, and I, I totally agree with that. There's a, it was this article I read by uh, this dude, he used to own CD Baby, like the digital CDs. And he was talking about this idea of feeling secure in your business. And when you feel secure in your business, it allows you to be generous. And then it allows for greater opportunities to come your way. So if you feel secure that more business is going to come to you, it allows you this freedom inside of yourself so you're not operating from a position of hunger where you always have to say yes to something, right? Like, I truly believe that if I am who I am supposed to be, there will be someone else out there that wants to work with this type of dude. And what I found is like the clients who reach out to me, the visitors to my website, they reach out to me. The big reason besides them solving their problem on the internet is that they feel like there's someone they know they can trust. There's this integrity inside of it. And I tell them like right off the bat, look, if you want someone to like BS you, don't come to me. I'm going to shoot everything to you straight. I'm going to interrupt you. I, you may think I'm rude. I'm not trying to be an asshole, but we have a limited amount of time together. I don't care about all this other stuff happening in your life. You want to answer. We need to get right there. And people show up and they're like, yes, dude, exactly. And like, once I gave myself permission to do that, I just leaned into it even further. Like, on my newsletter, um, we added in there a, um, a section for people to buy me a shot of bourbon through, like, buy me a cup of coffee. And for me, I didn't want a <laughs> cup of coffee. I wanted a shot of bourbon, right? Because this is what I love. And there's so many people that, like, now they send me bottles of bourbon or they send me recommendations to get this bottle, that bottle. And we're having this connection across a very, like, digital divide and that's interesting to me because I, I think we often struggle with how do we connect with people in this internet environment, but then also maintain our professional boundaries where we're, we're not friends, but we are someone working together to try to solve problems. And that's work for me is just showing up as myself. Yeah. And I got to compliment you. You do a good job on your website. I send people to your site all the time as an example, because you're using the video ask tool 
to really allow people to get to know you and ask you questions in a really fun way. Yeah. And, and that tool was tremendous. And it was like that's part of that, like problem solving mindset is that we we're going through a, a site revision and I didn't like the hero section that we had it was just a static image or it was like a looping video. And I was like, these all suck. They all look the same. And then I came across Video Ask. And at the time, it was being used primarily as a way to do like post-call sales or something like that or like a, a part of a sales pipeline. And I was like, well, it has conditional logic like Typeform does. Why can't I just do it as a choose your own adventure type way to answer questions and so that's what I decided to do. And little did I know, like the way I was doing it was like revolutionary inside of it. But like it was just trying to problem solve for a thing. And I also recognize having that video there in that choose your own format allows people to get familiar with who you are, how you communicate, what your voice is like. And by the time they talk to you and they get on the phone, they basically feel like they know you. You've warmed them up in that process. And they're, uh, many times they're ready to hire you. Yeah. And so if you're not familiar with this and we'll put your website link in the show notes, somebody can go to your website and a video of you pops up and you're kind of like, hey, what's happening? Like, what are you here for? Uh, I don't have the video <laughs> memorized, but then somebody can click on, well, I have this question or I have this question. And then that takes them through a series of little videos with you where they get to eventually, I suspect, a, like a consultation type call with you? Yeah, that is exactly it. Like, Because I started off with like the chat bots and all that stuff. But like the thing you realize about the chat bots, at a certain point, you have to respond to this stuff. And it is a lot as a team <laughs> of one. Like I, I've been a solo as a one person band until the last like few months. And so there's no way with the type of volume that um, site traffic that my sites gets that I could respond to all of those chats. Like I was losing my mind. I was like, this isn't gonna work. And that has that gave me permission to say, we need to figure about, think about this differently. How do we do this? And that's always been the response. Like even that whole, like the phone calls we get in, people are like, oh, you need to hire like uh, these other virtual services. And I was like, they're cool. But unfortunately with the type of work that I do, I don't know that these phone services can do a great job of filtering for me to get me the information I need. So it's kind of a waste. But then I had to look and say, why do I even need to answer the phone to begin with? Why can't I just put everyone to voicemail and be willing to return those calls? Or on the voicemail, tell them, hey, if you want to get in contact with me, go ahead and schedule a call through the website or shoot me an email. And that way I'm filtering down how I'm communicating with people, but also giving them clear expectations of what's going to happen if they go option A, B, or C. Mm. And so that works for you? So you don't have Dude, phone I don't, calls? Dude, I don't answer the phone at all like during the week. Everything goes to voicemail or I get text messages and I just respond to those through um, the service I use now, Dialpad. But yeah, I'm not on the phone unless I'm calling people during our scheduled times for our initial session together. Makes sense. I love it. All right. We got to take a quick break. We got to hear from our sponsors when we come back. Let's figure out some more cool stuff you're doing. The Lawyer's Podcast is brought to you by Posh Virtual Receptionists. As an attorney, do you ever wish you could be in two places at once? You could take a call while you're in court, capture a lead during a meeting, or schedule an appointment with a client while you're elbow deep in an important case? Well, that's where Posh comes in. Posh is a team of professional, U.S.-based live virtual receptionists who are available 24-7, 365. They answer and transfer your calls so you never miss an opportunity. With Posh handling your calls, you can devote more time to billable hours and building your law firm. 
and the convenient Posh app puts you in total control of when your receptionist steps in. So if you can't answer, Posh can. And if you've got it, Posh is always just a tap away. With Posh, you can save as much as 40% off your current service provider's rates. Even better, Posh is extending a special offer to Lawyerist listeners. Visit posh.com forward slash Lawyerist to learn more and start your free trial of Posh Live Virtual Receptionist Services. That's posh.com forward slash Lawyerist. And from LawPay, the gold standard in payments for the legal industry. For more than 15 years, our partners at LawPay have been helping lawyers get paid faster. In fact, 62% of bills sent via LawPay are paid the same day. To learn how you can enjoy faster and more reliable payments, schedule your demo at lawpay.com forward slash lawyerist. And from my case, tired of wasting time on administrative tasks? Want to bill more hours, get paid faster, and ensure the success of your team? With my case law practice management software, your firm will have access to all the tools needed to run more efficiently. Digitize your client intake, manage documents in one place, and track every billable hour so you can focus on what matters most to your firm. MyCase is an affordable, all-in-one solution that gets your business up and running quickly. Hundreds of lawyers have rated MyCase the number one legal case management software. After making the switch to MyCase, one law firm saved over 100 hours per month, time that would have otherwise been spent on tedious administrative tasks. It's time to choose a case management software that works for you. If you're looking to supercharge the growth of your firm, go to mycase.com forward slash lawyerist and sign up for a free trial. Right now, lawyerist listeners get three months at no cost on a new annual plan. Offer cannot be combined with other discounts. Visit mycase.com forward slash lawyerist to get started. All right, we are back. And I know you've been so intentional with how you delegate and get things off your plate. I mean, that last one was a probably a good example that you're like, why can't things just go to voicemail? There's probably a lot of people who are freaking out right now just thinking about that. But I guess it's working for you. What are some other things that you think you're doing that that would probably feel pretty different to other lawyers? <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough <laughs> question. Um, what, what people are shocked at, aside from like the not taking phone calls, right? And to be clear, I don't talk to courts all that often and opposing counsel. We're always emailing each other anyways. Um, so the vast majority of people who are calling me are cold leads and looking for help. So I, I, I just made that decision. But <laughs> beyond that, like it's about outsourcing all the things in your life that you can, that you don't want to do. For me, I realize like, I have a shopping addiction at one o'clock in the morning on Instagram or on Amazon or on TikTok, really, because you're like, what? You could do that with that? What? But then you get this BS and it shows up to your house. And you're like, I need to return all this shit. And then now you have all these brown boxes piling up and you're missing your return window. And now you're stuck with this crap that you didn't even really want to begin with. It was just late at night when you bought it. So when I, I looked at it, I was talking to my friend. She was like, yo, you just need to hire a tasker. And I was like, a what? And she was like, yo, just go on TaskRabbit and hire someone to return all this stuff for you. And I was like, all right, cool. So I did it. It was like 20 bucks. And then the mental clarity I had from seeing those boxes gone and wasn't the person doing it, it was so rewarding. So like now it's like, oh, I'm donating stuff to Goodwill. Instead of writing, packing up that bag, you've decluttered your closet. You've got your, 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 you know, your uh, Marie Kondo on, and now you have this garbage bag in your car for the next three months because you never drop it off. Yes. Yeah, not doing that no more. <laughs> it's in my car right now. Yeah, I got to Not doing that. 
<laughs> I would go on TaskRabbit, hire this dude, Shane, because you can end up working with the same people over and over again. Yo, here's your $25. Come get this. Go drop it off. Thank you, sir. Worth it to me every time. And so it's outsourcing those types of things and figuring out what is it that I actually enjoy doing. And then also, as I think more about how I'm scaling my business, what are the things I can fire myself from and still get a reasonable result on versus what are the things I have to do myself because those are the greatest value drivers for my business. And those are interesting questions about what is it that you're willing to give up in order to scale? Yeah, I love that. And so do you just have the self-discipline to step back and ask those questions? Hell no. Hell no, I don't have the self-discipline. But you, we, we try to be our best selves, like whatever our best idealized self is. What I, what I have done is I've also looked at my calendar and how I go about things. And I used to be like, uh, take vacation once a year. Then last year, I, I experimented with, okay, every six weeks, I'm going to take a week off. And that was great. And during that week, I would think about my business, where we're headed. But then I realized, yo, I don't like waiting until week seven for this to come up for my vacation. And now this year, I've been like, okay, I work three days this week. Next week, I work five. And so we alternate like that. So it's like I take uh, four-day weekends every other week. And that's been pretty cool, just like having that opportunity to step back and say, take relief of where you're at, play video games some days, and then other days look and say, okay, where am I headed at? What can I be doing better? Or all those courses that I signed up for that I'm supposed to be learning shit from, but I never had the time for, I'd make time for those during that four-day week. i just go ahead and sit there and take that course and learn from this person and continue to coach my, get coaching on what it is I need to grow and develop, not just as a business, but as a person as well. Hmm. That's awesome. I just want to applaud you. And yeah, I know so many people are hearing that right now and thinking three days a week, every other week, I could never do that. And that's the question. Like, um, I, I was watching the Aziz Ansari stand up and he said, he was like, oh, I was talking to Frank Ocean about like, how does he have so much peace in his life? And Frank says, earn less. And Aziz looked and was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, why would I do that? And there, But there is a question about there are diminishing returns on a constant chase of like more. When is enough for you? And so you have to balance that question about like um, with where you are in life. And yes, there's work, but work is always going to be there. And then also, what things can you just get rid of? And for me, I was thankful that I had someone that came along and was like, hey, how can I help you? And it's been working out where like I offloaded some of the administrative tasks to this person that didn't need to do and it freed my schedule up. Or, oh, video editing. I don't want to edit my videos anymore. Let me hire someone to do that. And of course, you have to have the pool of resources to do it. But then you have to question like, what are your pricing structures like? Are you getting the full value for the services that you're providing? Or are you out here being a sympathetic heart to people and you're undercharging yourself and now you're frustrated with the work and you're stuck in this loop? And that's where I talk when I hear lawyers and they're just looking at themselves as a lawyer. And I'm like, no, nah, dude, you're a business owner. You have to think about yourself as a business owner first and go from there. Yeah. And it all comes back to where we started, which is, you have really taken this idea of, of you told me you're going to design the life you want, not just the job you have. Yeah, I, I think that's so important because like the job is like whatever, because like right now, like I do student loan law and there's all types of changes going on. And I'm a little bit frantic about what may happen. But then I trust myself that 
No, the skills that I've learned in doing this job and are transferable to so many other things. So the question is just how do I use these skills in order to further and achieve the life that I want? Because that, at the end of the day, what I, I was telling people at uh, ABA Tech Show when I did my uh, speak in my talk there, what matters to me is that when I die, like my tombstone reads, like, here lies a good ass dude. And so, like, how do I go about achieving that? And that has so little to do with me being a lawyer and has so much more to do with who I am as a person. And so let's worry about those things and all this other stuff will sort itself out. I don't think there's much else to say after that. That was perfect. (laughs) I think you're getting there. Cool ass dude. I love it. Stanley, thanks for coming on with me today. Oh, no. Thank you for having me, Stephanie. I appreciate being here. Oh, there is one thing I want to share with every lawyer that operates in the online space and it has like a website. You have to look at your website as an employee. If not, what are you doing with it? And what I mean by that is you pay your employees a salary every single year. Like there's so many of you who are frustrated with the results you're getting from your website, but you haven't reinvested back in the design of it, the content for it, all these other things that help make this employee go. And if you're not getting results you want, I tell you, you may not be investing enough in your employee. And that's what my website is to me. It is an employee. It drives leads to my business every single day. So I encourage all of you out there that are looking to drive um, organic traffic that you have to reinvest inside of your your, your main employee, which is your website. Perfect. I love that. That's awesome. Any other sage wisdom? Uh, <laughs> There's nope, probably so uh, no, much. No, no sage wisdom. That's, That's all I got other than um, I'm getting excited to watch these Warriors make this playoff run right now. That's, that's, that's huge for me. All right. I'm so excited we got to hang out and chat today. And I'm sure we're going to have you back because I know there's more in there out of your brain we can get out. I look forward to the opportunity. I'm, um, thank you for having me today. And I look forward to uh, participating in the future. The Lawyerist Podcast is edited by Brittany Felix. Are you ready to implement the ideas we discuss here into your practice? Wondering what to do next? Here are your first two steps. First, if you haven't read the Small Firm Roadmap yet, grab the first chapter for free at Lawyerist.com forward slash book. Looking for help beyond the book? Let's chat about whether our coaching communities are right for you. Head to Lawyerist.com forward slash community forward slash lab to schedule a 10 minute call with our team to learn more. The views expressed by the participants are their own and are not endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you.